is Chelsea Higgs Wise. And I decided to start a show about being the biracial girl who was living her life, being half and half, never picking a side until one day the world informed me, girl, you're black. I'm from the Listening to Race Capital with Chelsea Higgs Wise and Kat Maudlin Jackson. Up first, we've got the news. I'll get started by saying some local fun times looking positive. First off, we've got Mungay's VA Pride presenting, showing at The Bird in the month of June. Every week they're showing different films produced by LGBTQ creatives. So while we're highlighting local organizations, okay. shout out to Southerners on New Ground. Yes, this was on my list too. Yeah, the Black Mamas bailout campaign that happened over Mother's Day weekend. Yep, and big shout out to Rebecca Keel. There was a great article about the work that she's doing in that case management role and bailing out mamas for Mother's Day, but also just knowing Rebecca Keel, she's still out there after Mother's Day doing this work. So congratulations to Black Mama Bailout Action here in Richmond as well as all over because this is a nationwide initiative. And the not so great news here in local RVA, we've got a... I already know where you're going. Yeah, this hellacious landlord problem that is not just one person, but this one person has a huge impact. Mr. Dean Parsons told Winter Whitaker this past week that she was just another dumb nigger. She came to complain about her physical upkeep of her home, the physical condition, which she has a right to as a tenant. And this is how she is treated. And Kat, apparently this is not uncommon for Mr. Parsons to react this way. So when we're talking about evictions, when we're talking about affordable housing, homelessness, we have to understand that this is more than just creating affordable housing property within this new development. We have to look at the landlord tenant laws that are in Virginia and they are heavily Swayed to support the landlord. So if you are out there and you are worried about homelessness, if you're worried about children and families having shelter, then understanding that it's the fact that someone like Dean Parsons owns 375 different apartment and rental complexes and units in Richmond. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of I own you. It's a lot of don't act right or otherwise you won't have a place to live, you dumb nigger. That is absolutely white supremacy in the form of capital confederacy. And that's what our guest last week, Duran Chavis, was really talking about, about who owns the land, who owns what, and what power do we have to even press on or speak up? So yeah, that was one piece that I'm so excited that people are at least looking at that as as a problem. It's being shared all over Richmond. I'm just interested to see what will come of that instead of people being like, well, he's a private citizen. Don't know what we can do about it. We can change the laws. We can hold these landlords accountable when they are not maintaining their properties. The idea of group living these group houses that many of our people that maybe don't have transportation or coming out of the hospital have to live in as a social worker, we're always trying to find housing. It is really these homes that we look towards. They're costing $500, maybe $650 a month for people to rent a room. These are the rooming houses. And many of these homes don't have AC. They have maybe one fridge for six or seven different rooms. They don't have any furniture downstairs. I've walked into plenty of them and they're like, well, our air is on this week, but we don't have 
water. And the landlords are allowed to keep and maintain the homes this way because nobody's holding them accountable. So it's just this, again, structural racism that is maintaining where people are in the city is goes beyond. So I hope people are outraged, but I also hope people can see that this is a holistic systems problem that we've got to address very bluntly that this is racism. Well... When we're talking about racist trash that (laughs) happened here in Richmond, somebody spewed racist graffiti, including swastikas and white supremacist slogans on the walls of Godwin High and around Regency Mall area. Police have filed charges against three high school students. Mm. But it happened. It definitely happened. What's going to happen to the kids? Right. What accountability will there be? Yeah. There was a whole gun spray painted on the side and it said soon. So I also want to know, what about the parents? Are we searching their homes? Do they have their guns locked up? Do these kids have access to weapons? That's a homicidal threat. And as a clinical social worker, I know that there needs to be a certain assessment done to see if they have means to bring out their threat. So yes, I want to also know about these Godwin High School parents. How are they being held accountable for their students making these sorts of threats right here in the formal capital of the Confederacy? Again, and there's so much going on in Henrico, but I, I did appreciate that there was a vigil for Light Drives Out Hate. Together We Will did that just to bring some awareness to this. But we cannot look at these incidents as isolated. That was definitely on my list, too. I appreciate you bringing that up. So I'm going to head out just outside of county city lines and talk about really quickly that there were 17 water fountains in Chesterfield County that uh, tested positive for lead. I thought that was really interesting. It made me think, oh, my gosh, have we tested Richmond Public's schools water Mm. my gosh and i'd also be really interested to see which chesterfield county schools that was but let's just look at the treatment that's happening in chesterfield how long it takes to clean this water up will be really interesting and also how we watch this condition move forward in this conversation schools so branching out a little bit and shifting gears, this year Virginia elected Ibrahim Samira as a delegate for the 86, which encompasses part of Fairfax and Loudoun County. He says that he was so eager to discuss the environment, healthcare, and housing at his first town hall meeting in May. So he was a little taken off guard when a constituent asked him, he's a Muslim, when he planned to implement Sharia law. Wow. And it got me thinking that the the first word that came to mind was Islamophobia. And then I was thinking about anti-Semitism. And I wondered why it is that we classify hatred against Muslims as fear, why we frame it as fear, as opposed to framing it as being adamantly against something. Mm. Because those <laughs> questions, I don't know what this person's intention was. I couldn't find recording of the person asking the question, so okay. there's no tone I was able to listen to. Okay. Maybe they were afraid, but why? Why were they afraid? No, definitely. And I love your thought about why fear versus just a stance against it. And it's because fear justifies it. Right. It it justifies any reactions to it, any resistance to it. I love that idea of framing it as a phobia really gives it a get out of jail free card, a shoot before (laughs) you think kind of card. Okay, so something else that I thought was ridiculous this week nationally was the sex strike that came up. And Alyssa Milano saying that if we want to resist and push back against the healthcare laws that are prohibiting abortion, therefore prohibiting our right to healthcare, we should go on strike and stop having sex with these men. 
I just want to take a quick moment to realize that if we are putting that out there as our move to action, that we are automatically leaving out people to participate that do not sleep with men, number one. We're also leaving out a lot more allies, not just the women that don't sleep with men, but also men that sleep with women that want to be allies in this work. I'm not sure if Ms. Miliano talked to sex workers about this, the ones that control a narrative about sex. I loved the idea of something I saw on social media of, well, what kind of men are you all having sex with, white liberal women? Like, really, you're having sex with douchebags if these are the ones that we have to protest against. As well as, it's not about not having sex with these men. It's just, hey, women, vote for what is in your best interest. If these same women would have an effect just by stopping sleeping with men, well, I bet that would still have an effect if we're looking at the polls. I think another issue with it is that it perpetuates the narrative that sex is an act for men's pleasure. Come on. And I mean, most of the women I know wouldn't be so jazzed on just not having sex. Right. No, why in the world am I going to punish myself? Right, and right. And he's not even a bad guy. I'm not going to join in on this. No, our bodies are not just for the men's pleasure. That's what, again, what this, the strike is saying. Which is a really problematic narrative. It's super problematic. I mean, that goes to the root of, I mean, dare I say, rape culture. Mm. No, absolutely it is. Because you're not thinking about, well, what if I'm going on strike? and someone and someone pushes themselves on me without consent it's just so many different factors when calling for a sex strike that i'm problem i have problems with and finally i just want to mention another woman that keeps coming out to surprise me is elizabeth warren and her i got a plan for that so she's still out here going plan after plan and i appreciate her pushing that forward in her campaign well that's all i got for this week I'm going to jump across state lines for a minute and go to New York. Okay. This month, the NYPD officer who killed Eric Garner Mm. is on trial. Yep. So it's been almost five years, almost five years since Officer Daniel Pantaleo put Garner in the fatal chokehold. And so Pantaleo's defense lawyer says that he used a maneuver called a seatbelt not a chokehold. Video evidence shows the cop wrapping his arm around Garner's neck, literally squeezing the life out of him, while other officers piled on top of Eric Garner. I can't breathe were Garner's last words. And FYI, Pantaleo is not on trial for homicide or manslaughter. It's just to determine whether or not the moves he made to kill Garner can be classified as a chokehold and whether it was justified. If he's found guilty, what's going to happen to him? He'll be fired. Meanwhile, the last five years, Garner's family has mourned. And Pantaleo has been at his job. I think he was placed on administrative duty or something like that. He's not in the field, but he's had a job. He's been making money. So even if he's found guilty, I wonder if they'll be able to then charge him because he wasn't using a police technique at that point. That's an interesting question. I haven't been looking, but I wonder if there's Mm -hmm. any murmurs of that or if Eric Garner's family. Well, I'll say that in a human services point of view, when we use de-escalation, physical de-escalation, and I know the seatbelt hold. I know what they're talking about. And when you are deemed not using the de-escalation method that's licensed by your particular employer, then yes, you can actually be charged. The agency can't. So it would be him as an individual, not as the police station. So that gets actually the department off of liability for it. And he would just have to take it on his own. So yeah, I think that it would come after that, just knowing how these certain human rights trials do happen. So I hope he gets found guilty. We'll see. Last thing, I want to talk about the way 
the media has framed a story okay. right now. So I saw a headline from the Daily Press, the 757's newspaper, that read, Newport News, Norfolk, each received $30 million to transform distressed neighborhoods. Mm. Now, here's what the article said. Basically, they're referring to HUD grants that will go to communities with high rates of poverty and multiple public housing Right. complexes. But you know, it's the whole thing seemed to me kind of like a dog whistle. Neighborhood revitalization. Right, right. All of that. It is absolutely a dog whistle. It reminds me a lot of Governor Northam committing to criminal justice reform by so much money going into it. But it's really just getting more people to stay for more services to stay locked up. Right. And so this is just more money for people to be pushed out. The media is doing a great job at making it look like that area is doing something positive for those neighborhoods. Yeah, and the term distressed communities was what really popped out to me. And, you know, here on Race Capital, we talk a lot about interrogating the narratives and language. And language is so fundamental to the way society, language is a reflection of our society and what we value. And there's a level of condescension in that phrase, distressed neighborhoods. There's a level of missing the picture, it seems like. Yeah, of course, because it would, it should say disinvested neighborhood. The idea of framing this neighborhood that it's just distressed means that it needs help it needs a savior it needs us to come on in exactly and reach into our pockets and do the charity work of a distressed place right we don't see any resilience there we don't see property owners business owners in that neighborhood now we just see people that are waving before they go underwater and need help in a life jacket And that's it for what we're watching in the news today on Race Capital. This week, we are going to highlight something in the water festival that happened this past April. And it's important for us to highlight this because of the impact that this is having, not just in Virginia and Richmond, but worldwide. And it's for Black folks, it's for all folks, but it's by Black folks, which is amazing. It's by Pharrell, who is from VA and has put VA on the map with a lot of what he's already done. To bring this home means so much more than just another music festival that's happening. It means that Black music is the headliner, that Black music is bringing thousands of people here to Virginia, the Commonwealth, the seven cities of 757 that's usually known for the racket, the no cursing on the boardwalk, for just the ways that they love Black culture, but maybe not Black people. Now that there was a space created by Black people for everybody, and it was something lovely, it was something beautiful, it was something in the water that is surely going to stay there with us for the rest of time. So this kind of culture impact is so important to have on a show that's called Race Capital, where we look at interrogating the narratives around racial dynamics and why this is so important to our history. Today, we have two guests that can talk about not just Virginia hip hop, but Richmond specifically, their journey, their exposure. One who actually went to something in the Water Festival, so we'll talk about how that was for him. But I'm really just excited to add another layer of art expression to our conversation about racial lens and narratives here in Richmond, Virginia. And one thing that we're going to hear about today is the racial dynamics of hip hop artists and their physical presence in the spaces of Richmond. Because only, like we'll hear in a little bit, only until recently have hip hop artists been really permitted to enter music venues in Richmond. They've encountered a lot of obstacles. And gee, I wonder why. Mm. 
So I'm super hyped to talk more about those narratives of racial dynamics within our music and our art right here on Race Capital. Up next, we have two special guests, Michael Millions and Radio B. Welcome, fellas. Thanks, for, Thanks having for having us. So I wanted to invite you all in because on the show, we talk a lot about Richmond history and Richmond culture. And when folks think about that lens, a lot of times they do not fit in a hip hop image. And we want to make sure that People's Lens has a full picture of what Black culture, Black history, including Richmond's intersection with all of that really is. And how can we do that without some of our own hip hop artists and creatives that's making it do right here in Richmond? Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks it. for having us. So I want to give the people a little bit about who you are. Which one of you wants to go first, radio or Michael? Michael. All right. <laughs> hey, Michael. Hey, <laughs> I'm Michael Millions. I'm an artist from Richmond, Virginia. Been active in music pretty much my whole life. Started writing music at 10. Started recording music with Radio B around 14. Oh. First signed around 17. Went independent around 25 and did a lot of stuff in between. And right beside this guy the whole time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Man, how old are you? 99. Okay, I thought so. Infinity. Like, you had a long... <laughs> <laughs> infinity. Now I'm 35. Nice. Hey, Radio. How you doing? Good. I'm uh, also a hip-hop artist and platform builder, and uh, I guess you would consider, like, events coordinator and promoter in the city. Mm -hmm. He pretty much gave you my story. Been doing music in Richmond and beyond for close to 20 years now. And, you know, it's seen it all yeah. as far as that's yeah. concerned. So you guys have seen it all. You've got, like, decades mm -hmm. in the game. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Richmond hip-hop history? Like, what are some of the things, how would you sum up history happening right here in the capital city around hip-hop? <sighs> that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, I mean... If you're talking about local artists, we could pick out some people that are like mainstays or have had the most have the most success. But then you know, there's hip hop history in the sense of like the culture, like the, what, yeah, what, what like was here before what was what's not what's missing mm -hmm. right now because mm -hmm. right. there's. They're, they're active entity. Well, there were entities that were really active growing up mm -hmm. that are no longer present, but actually without them, it wouldn't be artists like us. What type of um, entities are you talking about, Michael? Oh, gosh. Artists under the label Blood Rain or the GMGB. Right. Oh, Cut wow. Fam. And rest in peace, the show. New Dimension Go Go Band. Right. You know, right. Um, right. And these are Donland. Donland Entertainment. That was the label I was signed to. But these, these, I mean, they're, and they're more. So they're, many. They're I mean, more. and the Super Friends are still exist, but, you know, the current, y'all know them as Art of Noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When yeah. we came up, they were, you the know, Super Friends. Super Friends and a oh, music man. group. You know what I'm saying? Like, what about the Ilyas? Ilyas. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so much that, and then you got to talk about Richmond has a history when it comes to how hip hop, when it came to Richmond, like artists that came to Richmond and yeah, the stories yeah. that came from that were like a whole different thing. That wasn't a positive thing because, you know, I mean, some of it was positive and then some of it wasn't, you know, but I think it also shaped how the industry has treated Richmond 
when it comes to sending artists here and, and also how the venues. how the city has as a result of some of those things that happen treated artists that are here are from, from here. here right okay, okay. talk like, to talk us to a, yourself. talk to us a little bit about what happened when outside artists would come here <sighs> You got it's a, it's a more than a handful of artists lost chains yeah, out I mean, here, got into altercations. Whether even they been were, ran off. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I remember Jay was at the Willies, and right. I was in line waiting to get like just to get close to the line, and some dudes ahead of us had ran them off. Not really ran them off. I don't want to make it sound like that. But right. Right. Posed the issue where Jay was like, "Yo, this is over." Right. And I was like, damn. Yeah, and peaced out. Yeah, and peaced out. And it was interesting because he, uh, you know, Jay had a, was talking in a documentary not too long ago, and he had indicated that an instance, that particular instance, not in a negative way, but just because of how much of a frenzy there was around him mm. at that particular moment in Richmond in front of the Willies was the moment that he realized that he had made it. That's oh. when he realized he was famous. You right. know what I'm saying? So that's historic. That's historic. Whether it had been, and I think that's I think that's the poetic side of Richmond, where it's like there's this there's this darkness, this dark undertones or overtones, and then there's a light, or there's good yeah. and bad in a mixture. You get you know a lot of negative, but then you have some positive things that sprout out of that that, yeah, out of that negativity, yeah. and that's just Richmond as a as a whole. Okay. Well, talk to us about the light. What are some of the the positive things that has come out of the historic presence of hip skills? Yeah, yeah, Nicholas, Angelo, Nicholas, yeah, Lonnie B. Mm -hmm. You know, Art and Noise, things like that. You know, these institutions, these artists. You know, even even you know, if you look at the eight hundred four perspective, you got Chris Brown, you yeah. got Trey Songs. You know what I'm saying when you count in Petersburg and things like that, because Petersburg and Richmond, it's like yeah, they're like brother cousins. and sister. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay, so, and that would be different from some people's lens. You know, yeah. some folks would think that Petersburg is a totally separate country. Well, musically, in a way, it is. More, yeah, but I mean, when you, when you talk eight hundred four, <laughs> you know, when you say eight hundred four boys, you know, which is a that's you know the Trey Songs, that's the whole that's their come up, you know what I'm saying? Like when you look at that, nobody's gonna look at that. They're gonna look at that as all encompassing when it comes yeah. to like Richmond, you know what I'm saying, or Petersburg. So, what are some of uh, spaces, even if it's not specifically, but how does space creating in Richmond really support your work? Right, like if these spaces weren't created, if you whether they're out the house, the studio, like how important is it for Black spaces in order to have this type of music in order to influence the culture? Talk a little bit about that. The interesting thing about spaces is we are finally in those times where we we have them like coming up there mm. weren't right. spaces there weren't places for us to go play shows or be seen we right. were finding ourselves in the bottom of clubs or in barbershops getting our names up or, or in the 757 or in the 757 going oh. to different places because there was no space and there were no you know i remember a time where these venues out here that we now play used to say no hip hop. Right. You could bring punk bands, you could bring hardcore bands. And, and it they didn't could... matter what type of altercations were happening in these same venues when it came to Yeah. I've seen people get thrown like out that. the window at the whole place would get destroyed and they'd be all right with that and invite the same band back. Yeah. But, but if, if if there's like a minimal scuffle at, in a hip hop event, it's like shut down catastrophic. Catastrophic. Now, were you all ever told no hip hop? Like yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right here in Richmond. Yeah. I've been told I've been told and I'm not even <laughs> gonna, I'm not gonna even say who. I'm not gonna say who. You don't have to. But I've been told that there was a particular age limit mm. on hip hop events, but not on other events. Mm. Right. 
So that there there are some things, you know. You um, know what I mean. I, I kind of feel like that even. I had to call it out, and I had to be like, "Whoa, wait! Oh no, no, no! What it was? Let me tell you how it was. Okay. It wasn't told to me that way. It was told to me that way by someone else. They said, you know, they've been placing these age limits on the hip hop events. So when I was booking with this particular venue, I asked, you know, they what well, they said, oh, it'll have to be a twenty-one and up event. And I'm like, well, well, why exactly does it need to be a twenty-one and up event? You guys do eighteen. And, I said, did you stop doing eighteen and up events? He's like, no. And I forget why they said mm-hmm. this particular event would would have to be, but they said, well, it's you know. Black. They didn't Definitely. want to say. So they were like, you know, because we've been having some instances where it's underage drinking going on and da da da. And I'm like, hmm. I was like, well, mm-hmm. let me ask you. I said, like, is that like a particular to hip hop type of thing? I said, because underage drinking, that's not a real uh, hip hop thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, that's not really a hip hop really thing. Really, like, yeah. that's why they call you know, it white boy wasted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you, if you afraid of some type of intoxication that happens at a hip hop event, you were worried about somebody smoking weed in your venue. Mm-hmm. And that's not right. put that right. in the parking lot. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't going to be, <laughs> oh, we sneaking to get a beer type. Right. right. <laughs> like, it's, it's interesting that you bring up this age limit because it's not necessarily like a 21, we outright say it. But I notice in the big stages, even like the Innsbruck, you're only going to see see them bring out old school hip hop bands. Oh, it's and safe. It's the safe, right, safe. the safe hip hop, the safe blackface that yeah. is able to come in there. So when did you start to notice a shift in the space? When did Richmond, I, I don't yeah, want to say, become I, I, I'll a little be less gradual. It was gradual. Over I, the I'll last say, five? Nah, I'll even go back to say, I, I, I'll shout them out, Woo, Slapdash. Yeah, definitely. All right, so once that. the smoke cleared in Richmond, there was a lot of things going on where we, my, the the label I was signed to actually co-owned a club that was called 321 at the time. I can't think of- Supper Club. It's called Supper Club now? No, it was called 321 Supper Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, So we co-owned that spot, but that was in collaboration with uh, some other musical entities as well. Once everything kind of went down, like mainly some legal things happened and that really wiped out these entities. Crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they were here and then like they all gone. And once the smoke cleared, there were no shows really going on. And these kids, um, Octavian and them, I can't think of uh, all the people related Juan to them. Pierce. Yeah, Juan um, Pierce. They they took it upon themselves to kind of get, you know, put themselves in a space where they can talk to these venues to get, you know, them to And allow it started us out like in. little small places, like little sushi spots yeah. and like little place like little hole in the wall spots, little yeah. boutique. Nah, places. really though. It had yeah. yeah like yeah, it started hip hop like sushi restaurant it. on um, Main Street. What, yeah. One of them little sumo, places. sumo son. Yeah, sumo yeah. son. Sumo son. Sure was. Yeah. So I like love that place. these are like things. So like when I say when the smoke cleared in Richmond, we had to work our way back up into those spaces because it was literally like, oh no, it was it was no, it, it was, was like no. you guys can't play here. Um, so right. just and then and then. The Camel was one of the first ones. Then Strange Matter. Those were places that would become regular places that you could see hip hop at. And then gradually you started, we started having like now, you know, I have two events at the ICA, you know, (laughs) this month. We've done Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. You know, it's. uh, So when did that start though? Like when, when did the gradual, you said when the smoke cleared, about when was that? 
I say like 09, 2010, 2011, somewhere up in there. Okay. Like it's when things started to kind of clear out and everybody's like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to play? Right. I think it kind of started opening up. So speaking of opening up too, it's not just in musical venues. I'm also seeing hip hop art around. Michael Millions, you have a mural of your whole face out there in Jackson Ward. I think that speaks um, a lot, right? I mean, and we know Nicholas F. has a mural out in Oregon Hill. Mm-hmm. So how does art really intersect with you all's expression in your work? Shoot, it is I, all, I mean, it is mutual. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, art in exchange for art. So like the murals per se, a lot of people, because rap is more like a totem pole kind of culture where we all are competitive. So people look at it like a status thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, oh, well, does this person deserve a mural or who's the top guy? Should he have a mural? or What has he done? Capitalism what? is everywhere. Forget, right. Right. <laughs> right. But right. but the truth is mm-hmm. it was an artist inspiring an artist. Yeah. And, you know, mm. that artist was inspired by their art mm-hmm. and decided to paint their faces. Yeah. It's that simple. Like, it you only have simple. to inspire right. someone to do something in honor of you. It's nothing about a hierarchy or anything like that. And Nils is the artist, right? Yeah, right. Nils is the artist. And one thing I'll say about Nils is, and, and, and like Radio said, it is artists inspire other artists. But when we look around our city and you know that this city is flooded with artists, I mean, from all different backgrounds, painters, cooks, well, chefs, hip hop musicians, jazz musicians, all types of artists everywhere. And then you live in a city that essentially does not reflect how many creative folks are in the city. You have people like Nils that's saying, I want to change that. So when he gets to changing it, he's like, wait, but a lot of my friends are Mm African-American and I don't see them represented either. Mm. So he's like, I want to put my friends give them space yeah you know if they if they allow me to have this type of space here and i can paint my family and my other friends and my cousins all around the world mm-hmm. i should be able to paint my african-american friends as well it's not as easy right but he, he's one of the artists out here that i know pushes for it he'll right. fight for it because he believes in the art believes in his friends mm-hmm. and believes in what it means to our city so yeah definitely and i think because of nils there are a lot of other black artists that are able to get these walls a lot easier now it's not easy but easier Mm -hmm. because these murals do exist so someone could say yo i I want this to happen for my building or my wall or this space so i'm seeing as a result of us having art on these walls and artists being more vocal about where they stand mm-hmm. it's allowing other artists to do beautiful things here too so i think that's like real ally work and it's yeah. not just about a black or white thing it's just about a mutually inspirational thing yeah, i really like right. that you put it that way it's just art inspiring art and those are the folks that we really do community with is the folks that we're inspired from and all sorts of things can come together when we build in coalition so this summer coming up what can people expect expect from you all how can people support local hip-hop in richmond this summer when people want to get out and enjoy all of this music that happens Shoot. in the capital city right i have let them let, let, <laughs> let them know i have a perfect <laughs> answer for that the main thing is uh rva rap elite i think you know people see me 
pushing it. They see me do a lot of different things, right? So it can get confusing, but that to me is the most important platform that I'm involved with at this particular time. And, and say it again, what is it? RVA Rap Elite. And they can find where? We are at Champion Brewing Company every month. We'll be, our next one is May 30th. And well, actually we also at the ICA on May 24th and 25th, but we will be at Champion Brewing Company until November. So okay. after May 30th, we'll be there the last Saturday of the month through October. Very and nice. then the second to last Saturday in November. Based. Are there tickets for these events and how can uh, they follow no, it, you? No, oh. the beautiful Hello. thing is oh. it's completely free admission. Wow. It's mm. all ages. So it's open to everyone. What we also what also accompanies the live event is a YouTube show very reminiscent of like city rap city or mtv <laughs> jams you can kind of throw it on and mm -hmm. it has event content from the live event mixed in with music videos from different artists in the city and different additional content and interviews that we do with artists here and so we're really trying to build that platform because it's it's such a valuable thing yeah. for all the artists in the city. We've been able to put over 100 artists on stage between last year and, and this year. We just started January of last year. Wow. Um, and we're just really excited about it. So Yeah, that's amazing because we, I was just going to say, talking about upcoming summer stages, I mentioned Innsbruck, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you all are really cultivating space for hip hop. What are your dreams for RVA Rap Elite? You know, and what kind of stages would you all like to I see? I really would, you know, between the show itself mm -hmm. and the event, especially the show because it has more legs, obviously, because anybody can see it. Not everybody from outside of the city can make it into the city to sure. the live event necessarily. So the YouTube Show. But yeah, the, YouTube the YouTube show in conjunction with it, I think allows it to be able to be global, allows people to that's not from here to see Richmond hip hop and see its culture, the art and the people, the music, and really aspire to come here and say, look, like this is what's going because people yeah. are already talking about our hip hop scene. Like so, I go like, around I go around, been around up and down the coast and some parts around the country where people are just in love with Richmond. Yeah. Um, mainly off our art culture or the rap culture. They like right. want to uproot themselves and totally move to Richmond. Right. So I think shows like, well, the Rap Elite show allows people to get that glimpse of what they're like mm -hmm. asking for. They, 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 they want to see certain things. They, yeah. they know it's a culture here. Now. And being able to curate it and compile it makes me like super proud because like once I get done like our episodes are about an hour and a half a piece we've only we've released two of them okay. in long length and when I watch them I'm like super proud of how we look right. so like when I say it's like Rap City it doesn't feel like oh you're just watching some local guys or the videos are not of quality or uh. the music is not of you know it's mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it rivals anything any video content show that you will watch on TV whether it be Revolt or whatever right. it really does rival it right. content wise and um, it's focused on home and it's focused on us right so it's like as you're watching it you're like wow like there really is a thing a ton of talent here yeah. and i love this because you're building a platform i know you all have been touring in the past few months so uh, seeing and hearing other people that are watching and listening about richmond but also just putting on richmond putting on va and people are really interested in va recently right. especially this past april we had something in the water right. that came by a va own Pharrell were either one of you able to go to the show he was yes, I was there you felt the and, magic yo I'm still there and I still <laughs> feel the magic it just was definitely 
for anybody and everyone that was there, I think we all felt the same way. Like, this is really amazing, huge, hard to fathom the magnitude of the artists that were there and the people and the, I mean, you're seeing your favorite artists in life and then there's a beach next to you. The weather was fine. The sun was fine. The people were fine. That was just an experience. But Pharrell really brought it home for us. How does that feel, especially talking about you all's journey and getting in different spaces and stages just to see somebody from VA have like the main stage of that entire weekend across the globe? Everybody was talking about it. That was huge. Yeah, (laughs) surreal. Surreal. Um, And I think think that's one of the reasons why, even though there were, what, 40,000 people there? I I feel that's one of the reasons why some people slept you know what i'm saying yeah, because yeah. we just when you just never really had something before yeah you know it's hard to even fathom what it looks like so somebody can't imagine it, it right gonna so have a festival right. and it's gonna be this but you're like okay yeah. mm-hmm. but you're not seeing it for like what it really is you're just and saying you're okay a festival it. cool like there's a bunch of festivals you know i might i might can make it i might can't make it it is cool that it's here but you're not it doesn't until it's like yo that's an hour from here or an hour a, and a half from cultural here. move yo it yeah. was, I, felt it was like, huge. I felt like it was cultural like i had to be there i don't know like some you know some people felt about the million man march back in the day like they had to <laughs> I be made, there. i made the second one yeah so <laughs> it, it was one of those things where it's like yo if this is gonna happen i at least need to be in the premise to like see what that energy was like right. you know I, I mean even out there people thought i was like a special guest to play but i'm like no i'm just here to play the crowd for real i, I need to see like what this is and right. Like, right so what was the energy like yo I, yo, I, as corny as it sounds, it was like a love fest. You know what I mean? Where like no one was being like out of pocket. You felt like everyone took care and love in the curation of the event. You felt like the food that was there, people like made it with love. They felt like they lined everything. Everything was lined up with love, I felt like. And people were peaceful. And of course, it was like very free. A lot of joint smoking out there. Marijuana. You know, so it was, it was very <laughs> friendly. But... I think everybody was just there to have a good time. So, you you know, if you were standing beside somebody, you, you spoke to them. You might even became friends in the moment, right. you know, but everybody there was real peaceful. It had a ton of fun, you right. know what I'm saying? So imagine back to back, back, back to back. You know, it's like Snoop Dogg comes out and you got Buster coming out and then you got Jay coming out. <laughs> Yeah. You yeah, feel me? <laughs> so it's like, you know, for an artist, fan, anybody, you losing your mind the whole time. Like, right. yo, I can't believe this. And they having so much fun. They're from Virginia. I mean, people are from Virginia, people that's not from Virginia. They're showing so much love to Pharrell and Virginia mm-hmm. because a lot of artists got their starts with Virginia natives. Right. You know, so or Virginia artists or Virginia music may have taken people to places we can't even imagine. There are writers right here from Richmond that, I mean, that wrote records that we all love. I wouldn't, I'm not going to like share that information, but there, we we really are behind a lot of what we enjoy in the world. How was Richmond represented at Something in the Water? Um... I can't say the city was fully represented at something in the water, but Pharrell definitely shouted us out. Mm-hmm. And Mad Skills also DJed a couple stages there, which was huge and proper huge. in my opinion, because yes. he he also came into the game with Missy and Tim and them, Clips and them. I mean, not at their time frame, but, you know, he's lumped into that right. with them. 
and for him to also play that stage was supreme and proper you know i think it made it for me complete like if he didn't play that stage it would it, it might have been something a little off but yeah, um I'm, th I'm thankful that he even got that opportunity to do it twice i think he played he played uh the sony stage and then he played the main stage with lakali so you mentioned being free and one thing that we hadn't talked about in your experience overall in your journey is just the criminalization of your culture of your music and just having general police presence around your spaces yeah and being free at something in the water were police there yeah was it, how, how was that when being free <laughs> with mary jane in the air Yo, how does that it's even crazy because i actually don't think i've ever seen that many cops anywhere in my life oh you know what I'm saying? There were there were like tons of policemen mm -hmm. and you know policewomen. I appreciate that <laughs> gender <laughs> fix right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was tons of them. Uh -huh. You know, I think state troopers or you know locals and maybe from different jurisdictions, but they weren't doing anything. You know, right. they didn't seem active. You know, you know when it's like a lot of police and they look like they're up to something. Right. A lot of them just seem to be going with the flow. I also so, appreciate you making the police seem suspicious in this moment, and it's not always the constituents. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the police. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, it's right. still Some the police. Some people don't understand that lens. Uh, and it's Virginia Beach, too. Right. So come this on. is like known racism, man. Right. You and know, normally so. the college weekend for Virginia Beach is heavily criminalized for a heavily, black beach weekend. Heavily, heavily. I mean, the narratives they put out in their brochures, the warnings, the cautions. It's why yeah. Pharrell, from what I heard, was really intentional to go down, meet with the police, meet with homeowners business owners down there to change the narrative on what this weekend could look like and yeah. he picked that weekend very specifically to also change that view of what that weekend can do for yeah. virginia beach instead of what you know how it harms right the city definitely agree with everything you said because you could see it as that many cops no violence no violence amongst the people right. you know and everything was just flowing you know so it was like i wasn't mad you know it's like it was a lot of them but they weren't doing anything right you know, I, I actually i actually was backing up and i had a joint in my hand and i backed into a cop and i was i knew it was over for me at that very moment <laughs> i said they're gonna kick me out the fest this is whack you know and um when I turned around, I mean, I turned around, I was like, oh, and he was like, oh, he just laughed it off and was like, we're not even, you know, really prosecuting that down here no more. And most of us are out here to enjoy the show. So, mm. yo, enjoy yourself. And, uh, you know, we, it, actually, I think they were more looking out for people that were drunk doing that because everybody was out there everybody and their moms and their grandmoms and everybody was smoking joints. Just everybody. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. It was like being in Woodstock. Mm. Like whatever Woodstock was, you know, from what I have heard about it, right? That might have been something close to it, but know? with a lot more black faces. Yeah, a lot more black faces, but it was all faces too. Let's not uh. like let's definitely be clear. It was all faces, right. you know what I mean? And that's why I say it was a love situation. Like I think everybody was together, including the police, the law enforcement, and the right, police. I mean, you know they still the cops. They still the cops. Don't, <laughs> yeah, get, it don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> you know, but they ain't act up one bit right. that I know. Of. Right. But that shows that relationship building can happen that way with a name like Pharrell, at least. Yeah. Right. Right. But imagine Pharrell coming from a Virginia hip hop background. Right. And making it to the point where he comes down and summons a meeting with the Virginia police officers. Right. That's amazing. That's right? powerful. That's, that's insane. That's power. So. Pop, man. Nothing like hip hop. Nothing like the tanning it. of America. Shout out to Steve Stout for that. Shout too. out to Steve Stout. What do you all think that something in the water will do for Virginia and for Richmond hip hop cultural in general in the years to come? 
it'll definitely give us a space. It'll, it'll, I think it'll, I mean, not even I think, I mean, it has to. They know we're here. And a lot of us as artists are known to the artists and the collectives in that area. Right. And we do share spaces. So, I mean, uh, they were trying to share space when we was there. When they realized there were some Richmond folks, they they definitely asked me to play Fader for Intellect and them had a stage that night. You know, so it's like, I think for Richmond, I think we'll have a presence there next year. But it doesn't have to be about Richmond, right? Right. We could just be Virginia because exactly. I think that was the goal. You know, I think like, that's one of the things, too. Richmond, ironically, I guess I've always considered Richmond to be a very segmented place yeah. in the sense of like, it's all split up. Like You're this, not wrong. This section <laughs> that's all that on section. purpose. But when you look at Virginia as a whole, Virginia is just, as a whole, is segmented. Like you have the Northern Virginia folks, they want to be lumped in with the DMV. Yep. And then you have 757 who don't really want to be, inter. it's Richmond is its own thing. Northern Virginia is its own thing. And then 757 and their whole seven cities thing is like their own entity. And none of which really care to, you have individuals that intersect, but as a whole, it's not really, there don't there's no pride taken right. in the whole collective of Virginia. And that's not that's not any different on other sectors too. Like in politics and in organizing, we do think that way from Northern Virginia, Central Virginia, 757 and then we think oh, Western Virginia out there for folks. Yeah. So, it, it this is so important for to see what this festival can do for the culture in general, not just for music, right? For art, for the food that's out there for community, just for being able to see people together in spaces celebrating a culture that is usually criminalized until it's fashionable right and um, can i add this there was yeah. a huge community impact down there as well because right. there were events based on and by the community so that was something else that was real ill is that how well involved the community was alongside of this major major stage right. thank you for saying that because i think that anybody that was actually part of organizing that event would want us to lift that because schools communities there was literally something for all ages that was happening and they yeah. didn't want it to be called a festival they wanted it to be called a community event yeah definitely and and that's what you don't see on a lot of the social medias or the news post is that the entire city was really involved and that was right. super intentional from pharrell's yeah, yeah. sake yeah and that's that's insane and when you think about it. Yeah. Like, people were just saying, Pharrell said. Like, it wasn't like police were like, yo, my boss said this. They were like, nah, Pharrell said. Or you go to the parking deck and it's like, yo, Pharrell said. Right. Or you go to the restaurant and they're like, Pharrell said. And I'm like, you know, he really did the legwork to, like, bridge gaps between who was putting this on and like because i think the city only gave them like 250k to do that but i'm sure oh, a lot more got put up oh. based on what we saw right but that's an important piece to i keep talking about organizing but yeah. bringing those faces together having those conversations with people and having a leader that is willing to do that sort of legwork mm -hmm. and and push the narrative out there for that so congratulations to pharrell congratulations yeah. to virginia on that's the biggest thing that ever happened here yeah it's going to change Virginia as a culture, whether we want to admit that right now or not, or admit oh. the influence that black culture has on Virginia and the world. This is one of those moments. So up next, we want to move to our segment of what's your privilege. What's your privilege is a moment where we invite the guests to identify what their privilege is in the world and how they use it to dismantle the myth of white supremacy. <sighs> pretty heavy who wants to go first to talk about their privilege i will okay um, Michael. i thought about 
saying something related to music. But really, I think my privilege being a black male is that I had two parents in my household. Yeah. Mm. That, you know, I do know that that has played a a significant role in my, like, Mm -hmm. outlook on things, my perspectives, my friends. You know what I'm saying? My morals, my codes, how I raised my daughter. So, yeah, that's, I think that's my, my privilege. I think in America, we're not, you know, black men are looked at as, if we don't have relationships with our fathers or good relationships with our fathers and we do and through that we become good fathers and good leaders yeah it's so always that, for a black man it's like well is your dad in your life it's not right, assumed right, right. yeah it's not assumed right right yeah and my dad was in the military so he traveled a lot and it was a period of time when you know my friends were just like Yo, you don't got no dad just like us and i'm like no 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 my dad just worked somewhere else x amount of you know months out the year and he comes home but like you know once he was back back it was like yeah yo that's my dad like yo always had a dad and i've realized <laughs> that many of my friends cousins maybe some of my family i mean family members as well didn't right. really get an opportunity to have a, a male figure that they could honestly look up to and a lot of my friends call my dad pops anyway so uh, he's become a father to many other friends that we've had yeah. so including myself village mode village yeah, mode. Yeah, yeah. and let's just be clear that the absence of black fathers is because of structural racism yeah, yeah, yeah. for the incarceration system yeah. is by no means is that black men don't want to step up to the plate or what is it the deadbeat dad syndrome no, that or none that of that even, that's, that's not, not even what we're style. right i just wanted to be clear for all the listeners of that now even within our own culture we have to understand that it is a privilege based on what the world has dealt us in order to raise yeah. our families yeah. right. that, in order to function we have to think differently and sometimes that is yes my privilege is to have both parents instead of having to make a different plan yeah. which is one and and even more so just an active father and more right. so like that's the privilege part you know mm. where i'm like yo sh- I had, a, mm. I had an active father. Mm. And a I, lot of two-parent households, one of them parents still ain't active. Right, right. right. White, black, brown. Nah, it could be like that too. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Radio? I think I will go the music route. I, I'd say being a, a black male in the hip-hop community that's respected is my privilege. And the way that I used it or use it, I speak about our issues very vividly i'm very outspoken not only on in my music but on social media and public mm-hmm. forums but i i even down to my last album is called jesus never wore a suit mm-hmm. and one of the layers of that title was attacking the image of christ and the whitewashed image of christ that that jesus christ was a white male one of the topics specifically is the funny thing was my cover was going to be a lot more controversial (laughs) (laughs) was going to be a lot more controversial i went through a couple of different people that i was going to get to work that cover and, and then opted to do something that was a little bit more universal but I wanted a black Christ image on that cover just because I wanted to create that conversation. And, yeah, you know, I yeah. said, Jesus never wore a suit, never wore white skin. I'm not being racist. I'm just being technical. The biblical description of Christ is not the image of Christ that we typically see shown in Christianity. And White man with laid hair. Right, right. Up on the that's stained just, glass. Yeah, it's just not, that's just not what it is. So I think that in itself is one of the biggest symbols of white supremacy that is the driving force actually Mm. in white supremacy across the world Mm. beyond anything else 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beyond anything else, because that was what allowed white supremacy to take power and take control and to get the money in the space that they needed because it gave moral validation to so many of the, the things that were not moral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're willing to speak on all that in your music and your platform. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a pretty so. brave space. And just being a male and just following you, and I ha- you were talking about being a male in this space, I know that just creating a platform to lift other artists is important, as well as you lifting female MCs Absolutely. and female artists. Yeah. Um, one, Cole of, Hicks. one in particular, my cousin Cole. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate, and I've had conversations with both of you individually and together just about amplifying your privilege as men in this space, especially black men and understanding what that means for black women. So I just want to say thank you for that. Even though we didn't talk about that today, I'll say both of these men are great allies in that space. My privilege is being able to get down with all sorts of music without people asking me too many questions, being able to intersect with hip hop, pop music, rock music, People look at me in my biracial lens. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. But seeing these two specifically intersect their hip hop music with hardcore metal music and just different artists and different even poetry, it's like we are not a monolith. And sometimes that gets questioned and pushed back. But my privilege as light skinned, people see me and say, oh, that makes sense. She can flip flop back and forth. So not having my musical taste questioned. Mm is a privilege and being able to walk into those spaces and not feel like I don't belong. I do feel very willing to walk into Innsbruck as well as walk into RVA Rapidly and and I'm welcome. So that is my privilege. I feel like it's a privilege to have you all here. I can't wait to walk up in your spaces this summer and support you all. Lastly, how can people follow you and support you? You can uh, follow me at on any uh, social media at Radio Blitz. It's R-A-D-I-O-B-L-I-T-Z. And you can follow RVA Rap Elite at R-V-A Rap dot Elite. And you can follow me on pretty much everything at Michael Millions, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, fellas. And we'll catch you All next right. time. So Kat, talking about my privilege this week and being able to go back and forth to spaces, I realized that in Richmond for local music, it always kind of has been that way. It's either a black space or a white space. And thankfully, uh, Nicholas F. is a friend of mine that I went to high school with. And so having that in to see about hip hop battles and spaces in downtown Richmond where they were holding that, it gave me a privilege to see, oh, this is what's going on. It's some dope stuff happening. I saw him on BET later on. But also having white friends in Chesterfield County or people that love to go to Friday Cheers, it was just a different world. So to me, it's always been something of of, oh, what crowd am I going to fit into if I want to go see a black artist? Like, who am I going to go? Oh, this is a white space. I know who's going there. I can usually find folks very easily because it's so mainstream that people know about it. So when I heard about when something in the water was coming, it was like, man, this is monumental. This is freaking special. The only reason 
I didn't go is because I had a weekend fellowship that was already planned. And I was so upset about this. Like it was just something that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss this magical event. I mean, I grew up on Missy, right? Like, come on now, like to see that for me and to understand that this is coming out of our home and what this means got me so excited. And to see all my friends on social media get so excited that Pharrell's doing this for VA, that gets us hyped. That representation is not there, especially in local music. So it's just so special. It, it's emotional. It is a love story. Like Michael said, it's it's our history coming together in a new love story for old Virginia. I also felt myself having to convince other people of how monumental this festival was going to be. Like it wasn't just a music festival. It wasn't just something else for the summer. It was no, no, no. This is VA for VA by VA. This is a different face of VA. This isn't them paying him to come do this. He's coming back home, investing the dollars, the equity we always talk about. It was like bringing this intersectional conversation that we always have here on this platform to a creative musical space that everybody can enjoy and get down with. But I had to convince people of how awesome this was. It was just like, oh yeah, I heard about it. No, no, no. This was everywhere that weekend, all over Twitter. Like there was a whole other broccoli fest that went down that was all over my news media last year. I didn't even hear about that this year. That's what this weekend was about for music. Virginia took over the whole weekend. Black Virginia. And yes, it was for everyone, but no, it was done by, run by, created by black culture. And that's freaking beautiful, man. There's some quote out there and something like, joy is the best way to realize equity or something like that. I remember Art Burton, a community leader of Kenfolk here in Richmond, mm -hmm. he was talking about joy. You want to get people on the same page. You want to overcome racism. You want to realize equity. Have joy. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of really tough conversations and we make spaces for that. But if you're able to make a space that brings out joy, in a room, like authentic joy, even for POCs, because a lot of times we're wearing a mask. And that's why it's important for us to create the space, just because a lot of times folks just don't know how to do that without us having to come in, ask certain questions, have a little suspicion, right? Like we look at the cops suspicious, where versus it's usually those are there to protect us, but it's just a different lens. And people are like, well, isn't that backwards? Why people can't make spaces for black folks, but black folks can make spaces for all people? Yes, that's actually how equity works is because it has affected us first and worst. We have the bigger picture to be able to say, how do we make this more inclusive genuinely? How do we take the experiences that we've had personally and flip those, undo those to make sure that doesn't happen to anybody else in these spaces? Yeah, look at your history, folks. Look at Richmond. <laughs> Richmond is a space for white people, made by white people. Yeah. And and now, you know, you have leaders who are like, oh, it's all good now. Everything's cool. But you know, like this city was not built for everyone. Right. So the idea that Pharrell is coming and making this whole state about something something for people. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's magical. And again, I'm just super proud for our Virginia. And that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Race Capital. I'm from the R, the I, the C, the H, the N, the